That one looks interesting. It okay. It does. We can't talk about the articles before we before we start recording. Sorry, I'm just, I'm just like <laughs> refreshing. It's just like, why was I no, excited? I oh, yes. Well. Whenever you're good. Hello and welcome to Red Raccoon Radio, your source for tabletop gaming news in Bloomington, Illinois and beyond. I'm your host, Alexis, and with me today is the spunky staff members of my friendly local game store, Red Raccoon Games. Spunky. Ooh. That's the one I went with. Yeah. <laughs> the people I've managed to lure to talking about games with me today are... Oh, my name is Ariel. I'm a resident gameologist at Red Raccoon Games, and... I'm Jamie. I'm here. I'm loud. Jamie's always here. <laughs> uh, it's going to be a little different this week because I am, I am John. I'm Alexis, but I am playing the part of John today. Yeah, John actually had to do real work and go somewhere, and, and he's learning new things. I think he's at an agricultural convention. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, he's at, legit, he's at an agricultural convention, because the company he works for, he's an IT guy, but he provides, they provide ag services. So he's at an agricultural convention learning new things of how to help people with their IT for ag business, agribusiness stuff. I mean, we live in Illinois. There's, there should be no shock about that. Farm oh, yeah. Expo, woo, 2022. It was great. I know. Well, I mean, people always sometimes forget that, you know, Bloomington Normal is in the center of corn beet fields and soybeans, right? We export more corn and soybeans than any other county um, in Illinois. Do you know what uh, Illinois is the number one producer of in the United States? Uh, pumpkins? Yes! Pumpkins. We have Libby's fab, uh, factory. Okay. Here. Yeah, over in Morton. Yeah. And the pumpkin chucking festival happens every year. Yes. Well, and, and just to top it off, since we're doing st stupid Illinois trivia for a second here, do you guys know what the state food of Illinois is? No. I want to say it's a funnel cake, but I don't think it, goes it is. With, it goes with what we've been talking about. Popcorn, baby. Oh, oh nice. It's like creamed yeah, corn, corn casserole. our state food is popcorn. Anything with corn. Yeah. Well, how was the store last week? Uh, I, I, this is where I would normally say crazy, but it actually wasn't it, crazy. We really actually had stuff under control last week. It wasn't I felt like. too bad. Yeah, I, I think that there was a lot of stuff going on, but I feel like everything was uh, a really nice state of managed chaos. You know, I'm. I think that anybody who has hung around here enough knows that it's just a matter of time before something goes sideways at the store. But uh, I think we had a really productive week last week. We we got a lot of little projects done, and yeah. and we did a bunch of um, restocks of, of really hard digging through the, mm -hmm. the stuff. I spent uh, way more time finding and catching a shoplifter than I really wanted to. Uh, so that was you know a little bit uncool. Uh, but over the weekend, lots of stuff going on. The Black Dirt Music Festival happened, and thousands of people went to that. And and we just had a ton of people for the farmer's market. People were early on Saturday this week, though, because it was so hot on Saturday. Everybody was trying to, to get out and get their veggies early. And it was a little earlier than Kat and Brittany and I expected it. And they all came in at the same time. So, But it was good. It was a good week. Good. I, I'm never here for the crazy Saturday morning, so I hear about them, but I 
Yeah, it was, uh, it, Saturday mornings has very much become a time when people are coming in with the kids, right? And they're coming in, so it's, we spend a lot of time answering questions about Pokemon and Pokemon cards, and we do a lot of puzzles and a lot of kids' games, and, and it's, it's kind of one of my favorite times at the entire store, with just all these little, um, potential geeks coming up, right? It's also, uh, a summer reading program redemption yeah. season, right? So... Every year for the summer reading program, we give away a pair of dice to anybody that finishes the summer reading program, and the aquarium's running out. It's getting real low. Yeah. Yeah, Ryan and I placed a huge order on Saturday as we were like, oh boy, there's not a lot of dice in there. Yeah, and then they cleared all the D6s when I was trying to teach D&D 101. It's just like, and now we're going to roll our stats. And now I'm going to dig through my bag for D6s to see if I have enough. <laughs> yeah, you guys look like you were having a good time with the Learn to Play D&D session. Oh, it's always a good time. I love seeing people's creativity, especially when it's the first time playing D&D. It's just like, okay, you aren't used to the formula. What kind of off-the-wall things are you going to do? And uh, they managed to violently escape initiative by nice. blowing everyone up. <laughs> it's just like, it's not the usual way that happens, but it's a legitimate strategy. Oh, and they saved the puppies, and they uh, saved the little hobgoblin kids, too. Nice. Well, and then uh, also on Saturday, we had a Digimon pre-release, and that was really well attended. That The Digimon group's growing quite a bit. They're really nice uh, people, too. Like, they even put up all the chairs. It's like, you are the best type of people. Come back, please. <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, I think it was it was a it was a really good week across the board. Uh, yeah, I don't remember what I did, so it must not have been awful. I don't know. <laughs> I've had a crazy two weeks personally, so yeah, I forgot everything else. Um, what's on your table recently, Ariel? Uh, on my table, I am still super stoked about the painting contest that we have. We've seen more and more people join and. I just love seeing people's creativity and expression because not everybody's, you know, a tabletop player or a board game player right. or even a graphic novel reader that we do sell here as well. Uh, but a lot of people do come up for the paint contest. I think one of the youngest people that we kind of regularly have paint, I'm not going to like drop any names or anything, but they're um, middle school actually and they are phenomenal. Like they have okay. a future ahead of them. I've like, always like seeing people's projects because I'm nosy and a little bit extroverted that way. And it's been amazing. Yeah. So I'm hoping for August that a lot more people will join because I just want to have the community, you know, express themselves. Yeah. Are you going to paint again this month? I know you painted last month. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah. I, I almost always do. Okay. Uh, just because usually I already bought the model um, okay. during the month before we announce this. I was like, oh, I have this. And now I better use it. Okay. I, I noticed that Katie had an entry in there this month, too. Yeah. Yeah. Katie and I joined forces. Um, I actually gave her my other mimic. Because it came in a two-pack. It's just like, that oh, no, sense. we sold out. Because she had the barrel on, right? Yeah. yeah. Nice. Yeah. What are you playing right now? Um, okay, so my, my current favorite, and I've played it three or four, three times in the last, I don't know, three weeks, Merchant's Cove. Ooh. Yeah? Yes. I can't get enough of it. Okay. I want to purchase it. Okay. <laughs> um, That's so, a, a AEG title, right? Is no. That, wait, what am I thinking of? I don't know. It was a uh, Kickstarter from Macedonia. Oh. Okay. Okay. Here. Oh, is that the one? That's the asymmetric one where everybody yes. has a different mechanic. Yes. Okay. Man, so many games coming in sometimes. I know. 
that that we sold that one like last fall, right? That sounds right. Yeah. Before and, I and everybody, every player has a different mechanic and how they have to take their turns and how it works and stuff like that. Yeah, it's super neat. I've played two different characters now. One of them I played twice, hoping to do better, but I actually did better the first time. But it's I don't know. I could I could talk about it for a long time, and I guess that's what we're here for. But I also <laughs> I feel like I've talked about it to like four different people in the last month, so I'm. Like, uh, I don't want to say it all again. Yeah. Uh, last week, I got a chance to play Hibachi. Oh, how do you like it? Uh, it was cool. It's a cool. It's a little dexterity game, right? And it's like you're sitting around a hibachi grilling table, and there are different um, uh, dishes that you can make that require different combinations of ingredients. But to get the ingredients, you have to throw um, these little, like, poker chips at the table, at the board, and it's a, a dual layer board, so you can, it's got bumpers basically around the edges of them, but you've got to kind of toss them on there so that they slide across there and they stop on top of whatever flavor ingredient that you oh. want. And each person has tokens from 100 to 600 yen. And so um, if two people are going for the same ingredient, whoever is willing to pay more for it is the one who gets first okay. choice of it. So not only do you have to, you actually have to slide and, and land it on the ingredient you want to buy, which you may hit like three times in a row and then randomly just like choke, right? And you just miss completely um, on the last ingredient. Um, but then you've also got to worry about, did you bid enough? You know, is there enough right. of that one ingredient? Did you bid enough? And then it, the only way that you can make money over the course of the game to buy more ingredients is sometimes you have to try to uh, buy low and sell high. So on any given turn, you might be buying or selling, and then it's a race to be the first one who can complete three dishes. So okay. we had a good time with it. It's, uh, it was completely different than all of us expected it was going to be. And it was a lot, it was a lot more difficult to actually slide the, the, the chips and actually yeah. hit the ingredients you wanted to do. So it was fun. It was a nice break and something kind of light and fluffy. Yeah. So compared to like Crash Octopus, another um, actually really fun dexterity game, how would you rank it? Oh, Crash Octopus got super competitive when we <laughs> played it because we were purposely, um, you know, it, it, it had a different feel. Uh, because we were in Crash Octopus, one of the things you can do is every so often the octopus attacks. And when the octopus attacks, um, each player gets a chance to bounce a die off of the octopus's uh, round head sticking out of the water. And if you can use that die, bounce it off the octopus's head and hit somebody else's boat and wipe out all the stuff that they've collected uh, to that point, um, I mean that's that's the attack mechanism is on my on that every one of us will do it though so I might be aiming at you you might be aiming at me and Alexis just sitting back there cackling and just watching us go at each other while she's trying to take us both out mm -hmm. and uh, it, it's it's very different different because it was so much more it was really competitive and maybe it was just the, the three people I was playing Crash Octopus with but we were really getting into it and uh, Amanda was about to win the game. And I hit, it was the only time for the entire game when any of us had successfully hit somebody else's boat. And she was just about to win, and I just completely wiped her boat out and <laughs> I took everything out. So, and then and then Zach snuck in and won from behind because I took Amanda out of Oh, so. no. <laughs> so it's like the evolution of dexterity games and Red Raccoon games like uh, Hammer Time, Crash Octopus, and the Hibachi in like terms of difficulty of playing. 
I think that um, I think that actually Hibachi it would be easier to play than Crash Octopus. Crash Octopus is a it's a flicking game, and so if you until you figure out the right amount of power to use on the on the flags that you're using to flick the pieces around, um, and it was that was kind of rough. That was that was a little difficult. So I think uh, Hibachi definitely easier to to play across the board. I also played a uh, Miyabi recently. It was one that we got a copy of. It's a tile placement, mm -hmm. and we had it sitting on the Mensa and Spiel des Jahres table. Um, it was interesting. So you've got your board, and then you're taking tiles back and forth with the person you're playing with. You can play up to four people. Um, but you can stack them. So you place one tile, and if there's, it's a grid, and if it's a design, it can only go in a row, and then once you put that object in it, a column you can't put any more objects in that column for the round so you're you're trying to figure out okay well if i put this object here i can't put anything else there and what tile goes here and you score points based on the level it's on and the number of objects that were on it that so sounds you, interesting yeah so like if you pay, place two bushes on level three you'll get six points and so you're constantly scoring as you place things yeah, isn't that one just points. really beautiful too it is really pretty you're like building a little little garden of sorts yeah, one more thing. Um, we didn't actually get a chance to play it, but I got Tiny Epic Dungeons, and I was trying to learn how to play it, and it was the first time... I don't know, have either of you tried to use the Dized app yet? D-I-Z-E-D? Dized is a company that is working on this learn-to-play games app that's supposed to provide you a guided teaching experience as you go through. And they originally, um, the original model came out, uh, business model came out, and they were trying to get the uh, end user to pay for like a subscription to say, hey, you know, get a silver subscription and you get to watch this many videos per month, or you could just, you know, buy the subscription for, for one particular game you got. And I think that that business model failed pretty epically. But what they're doing now is they've gone back and they've said, hey, publishers, if you want your game included on our app, then you pay the bill and then end users get to play it for free, but you can advertise on the box, hey, learn how to play this game quick and easy in the Dized app, right? Okay. And so I, uh, I sat down with the Dized app and Tiny app, Epic Dungeons. It works really well. It okay. does like turn by turn and mm -hmm. guide you through the first few rounds and it you know it asks how many people you're playing with and in this case I was just learning with the solo rules so it said okay solo play here's what we're going to do but you got to choose um, based on what kind of decision you wanted to make it would tell you okay here's some options you can do for the next turn and it was I was I was really impressed because the last time I tried it was probably two years ago and it was like eh. yeah and now it was it was really a, a really solid way to, to learn how to play Tiny Epic Dungeons. So that's awesome. And I've been seeing the Dice logo on more and more boxes that have been coming in. I think I saw it on Night Cage. Night Cage is one of them. Okay, yeah. yeah. Actually, at uh, Origins, um, Smirk and Dagger that makes Night Cage was actually passing out coupons to basically with a QR code to get you into the Dice app. Like, here's how to learn our game. So okay. they were. They were passing those out, so they're really leaning into that too. Yeah. Uh, Night Cage, man. Hope we can get, we get some more copies of that one. It's, it's on back order. I know. For it. I, I didn't purchase it in the first round, and I do. I can't decide if I just want to play it first or if I just want to buy it's it really and hope for the good. best. I got new shelves. I got one Ooh, that. Congrats. The bigger calyxes, it'll actually fit the big boxes. And uh, <laughs> now I have a lot of space to buy more games. 
it's so a slippery slope. It really on. is. It really is. I, I spaced it out so I only have like technically like two empty shelves. Mm-hmm. But you know, if I actually put oh, yeah. things in there, it would be like you can play five or six. You have to do this. Yeah. I was explaining to um, architects that are we're talking about uh, architects that are helping us with the new building um, about how important the calyxes are to the gaming world, and they're like really ikea and i'm like oh my god you would not believe like the number of shelfies that you see and 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 game reviews things where they're in the background and to the point where frost haven um you know is one of the decisions that they made when they were sizing out the box was does it fit in a calic shelf and they said and they were proud to report yes it will fit it's the only thing it fits but it will fit into one calyx space. Time to pilgrimage to the holy site of Ikea for the shelving. I know, right? And, and then a couple of them, um, Brittany sent uh, to us last week that a couple of them popped up for sale on like Facebook Marketplace, <gasps> yeah. right? Yes. The only problem is, is moving assembled calyxes is not easy. They're heavy and awkward and weird shaped and... So it's a lot easier when they come in the flat pack boxes and you can just like lay them on the floor and build it. They are incredibly heavy. Mine is a two by four and compared to like my, I don't know, Meyer generic store brand something or rather three by three, it is so much heavier. I was yeah. trying to rearrange and move my living room around by myself the other night and I did it. But I was like, okay, don't drop the calyx on the cat. Oh, <laughs> she was like walking around my feet. <laughs> it didn't happen. She's fine. Everything's fine. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Why does they have any space? Have you played Gift of Tulips? I haven't, but I've seen it. It is, well, speaking of like beautiful, like small games, I think it's one you'd really, really like. Actually, um, since that was a, I always say the name wrong, Miyabi? Miyabi, yes. Yes. I did it right for once. But yeah, no, it's just like an area majority, like influence game with cars. You're trying to build like the most beautiful, um, basically bouquet of tulips, you know, for someone in Amsterdam. There's a tulip festival that's going on. And just a quick little card game. I think I noticed it at first because it plays up to six players, which like usually fives the like high yeah. number. And it's like a twenty minute game, and it's really small, so you'll save a lot of space in your calyx. Perfect. But yeah, it's absolutely like stunningly gorgeous here. Let me show you a photo of the cards. Oh, look at how pretty it is. It is really pretty. I don't I know. know if I've seen the cards seen before. It? No. Yeah, it's you literally assemble a bouquet of tulips. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. It kind of looks a little bit like that round circular setup. looks a little bit like mm-hmm. patchwork. It does. I've been trying to get people more excited about it, but I think people just see the bosses like, I don't play a game about windmills and tulips. It's like, no, this game's awesome. You need to play it. We have it here. Yeah. People be more hype about it, please. <laughs> I did end up teaching and playing um, patchwork a couple of times. At, oh, one of the things we didn't talk about is we did uh, board games and uh, beers at Keg Grove yeah. on Thursday. And we had, I think we had like 22 or 23 people that were there. And I taught a bunch of people how to play patchwork. Like I haven't actually played patchwork myself in probably three or four years since right after it came out. Forgot what a good game that is. I mean, so I simple, know. And I... easy to teach. And was it you? I kept saying I wanted to play it, and you were giving me crap about it. No, it wouldn't have been me. I like that game. I just I haven't played it myself in a long time. Okay. Yeah, it's a good game. Yeah, I thought it was going to be one of those games I could get Kelly to play because mm-hmm. there was no zombies at all. It was just quilting and Tetris, which yeah. were like two of her favorite things in the world. And, uh, yeah, not so much. No? No. I just, she's very particular in the games that I can get her to play. And it's just, uh, there doesn't seem to be a lot of a pattern. What about cooking games where you have to, like, make the best dish by assembling the ingredients? Uh, it would probably depend. If it was a card game, probably it would have a good chance at it. But if it's a board game, eh, I don't know. I don't know. 
So what about like Sushi Go? Uh, yeah, I tried that one too. Yeah. It didn't work. No, she doesn't okay. like sushi. I don't know. It's it's weird. It's I just uh, assume that I'm gonna have to have my my squad come over to play games because Kelly's yeah. not gonna want to. It's fine. It's fine. It's okay. She's only fifty percent owner of a game store. It's fine. <laughs> so I mean, do you do any baking? Um, yes, but not as much as she does. Right? It's I will. I bake things that she won't bake because there's some things that she dislikes so much that she just refuses to make them. Okay. And then that's when I step in, like, oh, I should make mine. Uh-huh. Oh, you know. What are the secret things Kelly hates? Uh, we, um, chocolate cake. Really? She doesn't like chocolate cake. She loves, like, really good chocolates, right? For, like, mm-hmm. chocolate here someplace, but she doesn't like chocolate cake. So, oh. um, she, you know, every once in a while, she's like, I'm making a cake. Here we go. <laughs> um, pineapple upside down cake. Although she really, she's really, she started a new recipe and perfected that one. And uh, her pineapple upside down cake should be, like, a limit of one piece per person per lifetime because it's so <laughs> bad for you. Oh, yeah, Julia Child would be like, whoa, I'd ease on the butter there a little bit. Hold on. No, tell me more about the butter. I'm invested. Yeah. No, it was a, it was a, it was a kind of a crazy weekend at our house, too. I mean, it's, uh, you know, the weekend for us is we, we both ended up working on Saturday. And, uh, and then we try to get some stuff done while we're actually at home for two days. And uh, I had my first experience uh, cooking on the Blackstone. Yeah. Kelly got a, picked up a used one, and we got it dirt cheap. And as long, really, as long as the flame turns on underneath of it and the the giant cast iron griddle on the top gets hot, I don't care if the legs are all dented up or scratched or whatever. Who no. cares, right? I just wanted to cook food. And so uh, I did up a whole meal last night and did some... Uh, burgers and corn on the cob and yeah, it was delicious i saw your pictures it looked good you mentioned corn on the cob this is obviously not about board gaming now we're talking about food but when i went to game night on friday cody made us like a seafood boil and yeah. i've never had anything like that before like i've had the different pieces individually but not all together yeah. and it was it was good i tried mussels for the first time they're okay yeah they can they're be okay. chewy it's you gotta try new things. Right. Yeah, I'm I'm decent at trying things. But you had the corn and the cob boiled in like the old bay season. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Is that was where you were going. Yes, that's where I was going. Yeah, it was yeah. good. Yeah, there was a. Uh, it's it's yeah, it's got a really nice flavor to it, right? Yeah. Uh, this corn and the cob was so sweet that I didn't even butter it. I just hit it with just a little bit of salt, and that's all I put on it. It was so good. Oh. But there was a on NPR like a week ago. There was a woman who had written like an entire soliloquy. Did I say that right? To her, an ode to Old Bay that she keeps like a <laughs> container of Old Bay in her purse and takes it with her everywhere because she said that the reason was that um, she was still in college and the, the college food was so bland that she could at least um, give it a little something with a hit okay. with some Old Bay as she went along. But it was it went on for like five minutes, like this ode to Old Bay. So interesting yeah I mean, that, that is a creative expression and i guess if you really like caraway seed i mean more power to you yeah. old bay is also delicious i'm not knocking old it bay. is well in old old bay is one of those kind of classic seasonings that either you know if you go to the the pacific um atlantic coast like the new england area like old bay is life right and then but in the midwest eh, not so much right you know it's it's almost as old as um Legends booster packs for Magic the Gathering. <laughs> <laughs> Slime right into 1994 there. 
Old Bay's got to be older than that, no? no? You know what? I was just kidding. I have no idea. I know idea you were, but now I'm curious. But yes, the Legends packs. Um, I've read so many articles I about know. them. They donned their PPE to open up these like pallets of Legends yeah. packs. It's just like, yeah. can you give me like the live feed video? I mean, I'll, I'll pay a subscription. Like, you so can anybody who doesn't know what we're talking about, um, apparently Wizards of the Coast found like pallets of legends booster packs from like 1994 yeah. in a warehouse in somewhere in washington you're yeah, from washington where 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 is this i don't know if they i didn't hear where the warehouse was i know their headquarters is in renton but i would assume the warehouse was elsewhere they, probably don't want they showed the like location. a map like That's a fair. video map and it was somewhere heading towards eastern washington oh, i didn't see the map yeah it was like they did like a little road trip map and it looked like they were east side of washington but they found legends packs and legends so magic was created in 93 and these packs are all from 94 that apparently they were shutting down the warehouse and they were cleaning out the rest of their stuff and somebody went, well, what's this back here in this corner behind all this other stuff? And they were like, holy crap. I wonder how somebody did inventory that for basically my entire life. It was like, right? who is the manager at this warehouse? We need to look at your records. Oh, that's, you know, that's a really good point. Like, yeah. how did somebody miss this on the inventory? That's a really good point. Like, hey, you're missing a, a pallet. What's it? See, a pallet is... Um, they consider a pallet of modern day boxes, 584 boxes. So they were, somebody was missing a thousand boxes, right? Of magic cards. For almost 30 years. For 30 years. Yeah. 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 Cause yeah. this is, it's all part of the 30th anniversary yeah. celebration of magic. Um, and they found these packs and legends has some crazy cards in it. Like the tabernacle. It does. I was, I was familiar with some of them, but I was like, what are the other good cards in there? And there's oh, a I lot. I screeched like a goblin. Yeah. I okay, so I don't think we've mentioned what they're actually doing with these cards. They they found them, but what's what's the story, right? So, the Watsi employees were opening them up very carefully with gloves and all the good stuff, and they are going to be putting the cards in three percent of collector booster packs. It, so, yeah, they're going to randomly insert the cards yeah. into packs for the next set, which is Dominaria United, yes. and you could be you could get them in yeah collectors booster packs, and but. You mean just because you get a card doesn't mean it's not like a, a, a trash bowl right. common? Or do you hit, uh, you know, I don't even think that, I'm not sure Mythic said it'd even been introduced into the game yet. I don't yet. think they had. I think it was just no. common and common rare still yeah. at that point, right? Because they, they we hadn't even, at Legends, there wasn't even colors nope. to designate nope. what the cards were. You just had to know if it was a rare Mythic or a, or a rare, a common or uncommon. And so, yeah, like, they said 3% of collector's boosters are going to yeah. get these. And did you get the, if you get one, do you get the, do you get to get the tabernacle? What do you get in there? Right. I mean, it's I mean, either way, I would find it pretty neat because I am a sucker for anything. What's the word? Collectible, historical. I haven't played the game at all recently, but when I was organizing the other day, I was like, ooh, all my fun cards that are just pretty. My misprints and my... my hey, Lex, do you want to play the game? You've taught me bad things, and I'm punishing everyone else who works here for it. <laughs> oh, I'll beat you with my slivers. Sliver against sliver? I got the sliver stepmother now. I can't... I don't have a queen, <laughs> but I have a hive stone, and I have a god sire. Okay. I'm yeah. ready to at everybody. But I think the big thing that Watson wants everybody to know and why they filmed it is these are not reprints. Right. These are the original printing of the cards. And, you know, but what's going to be interesting, though, is, uh, um, you know, they've changed card stock since then, too. So, but I guess it won't matter if it's in a sleeve because, I mean, you could theoretically be playing with Legend cards. We, we have Legend cards right. in the cases upstairs for sale. So, 
what does that matter? It's just going to be interesting to see how this whole thing plays out. Now, there were there were a few of the some of the really high-end ones. Like, I think Mana Drain, I think, was the big one that uh, they said they're, they're not. Yeah, Ken said release. he was going to tell us more about that, but I don't know the whole story. And it sounds like, I think that some of it has to do with um, a couple of artists that have had problematic histories oh, that they're yeah. not going to release Ooh. any of the cards by that artist. So That would make sense. You know, I think that that's part of what's going on. Um, yeah, but this is, and these are, this is before the introduction of Planeswalkers. This is, I mean, I don't, there's not even foils yet back then. No, there was another, oh, it's before Historical. Yeah. I it's, wonder if they're going to stream um, the 30th anniversary event from Las Vegas. It's like October I 28th hope through so. 30th. They I wish I could go. It's like Wizards of the Coast. Yeah, they're yeah. really good at that. that that's going to be a streamed event. That's that's totally going to be a streamed event. 100. Like, I don't know how much more my wallet can take. Wizards of the Coast you need to calm down. Yeah, uh, it says, I was looking at something, and uh, it said that the average price of a sealed Legends booster would be around $800. So, that, no, eight, I'm sorry, that's 800 euros. So, um, what is that? That's actually more than dollars, right? That's probably more like $900. Yeah, it's just like a decent mortgage. <laughs> yeah, individual cards run the gamut from a few thousand dollars to a few cents. So... I don't know. This is going to be. This is going to turn into a crazy kind of treasure hunt. I'm a little concerned. Um, you know, I think every every game store on the planet the next day went, "Can I order more?" To right. Every distributor and every distributor was like, "We didn't know, and <laughs> we're going to run out." So, um, you know, Dominaria pre-orders. I think we are ready to take them. Um, I think that they're all set up in our system and everything too. So if you want to get a preview or listen to this and you want to get a pre-order in, this is going to be the set that you're going to want to pre-orders put in the system because uh, I get the feeling we're going to run out. I would I would think so. I mean, Dominaria is very popular anyways, and there's people excited for it. I'm wondering if we want to sell our Karn's Bastion and all, like, all their like, related cards. This is like, yeah. oh, we have a couple, so if you need that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the exchange rate isn't actually that bad. It's $816. Oh, that's oh. not as horrible as it used to be. It's a dollar and two cents. Oh, oh. Our dollar. That's pretty close, yeah. actually. All right, we'll take it. Um, so, yeah, that, that's going to be, that's going to make for a pretty crazy experience happening. I cannot find the map of Washington. I've been trying, but I'm giving up at this point. It was it was like a little quick thing they did at the beginning of the live stream. Okay. Um, so you had to watch the D and D or the the Magic live stream that they did uh, for the announcements. That was when they showed. Okay. It real quickly. I'll see if I can so. find it later, just out of curiosity. You mentioned yeah. D and D though. What do you know about D and D comics? D and D comics. Yeah. Um, I read them. Yeah. So, are you talking about the article that you sent out yeah, yeah, about yeah. D&D comics actually failing miserably at their mission to bring yes. more people into playing D&D? Um, you know, it was it was a weird... So, the 80s and the 90s were a weird time, right? And particularly the 80s. And the 80s for D&D um, was... God, I mean, there was so much of, of, uh, of the satanic panic that was still happening, you know, and... and there were D and D was being put, pulled off the shelves at stores and things of that nature. That was all kind of the early '80s, and that a lot of that ties back to well, there was a Tom Hanks movie called 
um, some mazes and monsters. Okay. That was all about a kid who has a break from reality and he can't tell the difference between what's real and what's not anymore. And uh, it, I mean, anybody who really wants to know about how crazy that gets, just Google, you know, D and D Satanic Panic, and it was crazy. So. Um, we finally had kind of moved through that and moved into, um, you know, Gary Gygax was building on the D&D Empire in the kind of the late 90s. Um, and second edition had finally come out. Um, I think second edition was out by then. Yeah. yeah. My time line is a little I'm pretty off. sure it was. And, uh, and it, was, it was going big fast, right? D&D was growing significantly and exponentially. And there's some really crazy um, documentaries about Gygax kind of living it up and moving from Wisconsin to Malibu and and kind of living this California party lifestyle as the creator of, of, of D&D. Um, but they started, uh, they licensed the D&D kind of system to, uh, not the system, but the rights to make comics to DC Comics back then. And I have some of those okay. um, old school ones. Um, it's... It's interesting, the evolution of comics, right? Because I've been reading comics since I was a, a, a wee sprite as well. And you guys probably don't remember the age when comics were like colored dots printed down there. And like... I've seen them, but you no. You know what I'm I, talking about? Yeah. Like that's how they made the different tones was like the colored dots and everything like that. Like I have a bunch of old G.I. Joe and Transformer comics that are all like these these colored dots and everything. So the, the art was cool but the printing processes were not great yet we don't right. have these cool digital laser printers we have now um and the storylines were kind of wandering so i don't know they were fun stories they were just kind of fun high fantasy stories and everything i never realized till i was reading this article that it actually failed as a to bring anybody into the hobby i guess for me it was i was already in the hobby and then mm -hmm. branched out into the comics yeah. so it was, you know, it was a, an interesting period of time when those run. And you can get a lot of those as reprints now as graphic novels or trades, okay. however you want to rephrase it. I've actually been picking them up where I can find them. Um, IDW has picked up the rights to a lot of those and has been reprinting those. So, um, I don't know. It's it's kind of a, it was kind of fun, right? Yeah. I still get the comics. I mean, they, yeah. you guys see them when they show up here, right? Yes. Because, um, so Red Raccoon, in order to get a lot of different products that have come out for D&D and various things over the years. We have opened up accounts where we can get pretty much any in-print graphic novel or you know trade that exists out there. And so I have taken that on myself to pick up the D&D <laughs> comics for myself. Um, the omnibuses for like the Ari Salvatore novels like Homeland, Exile, all of those. Do I have those, yes. or do they have them where you could order them? How about both? I have them all in special edition hardbacks because I'm a giant nerd. <laughs> it's called living your best life, Jamie. Yeah, no, there was. Uh, uh, I got a ton of them, and I didn't even know they existed in these really cool hardback series. I got them at uh, Flatcon. Somebody what? was. So I think that the story went that um, somebody had gotten divorced, and oh, no. she was selling off funny oh, stuff. No. <laughs> Yeah, she was trying. She's like, I don't want these anymore at all. And she won She, I gave her one dollar for them. I got sixteen. The first sixteen books for a dollar a book. And I'm like, Are you sure these are like? I think these were twenty or twenty five bucks each when they were new. She's like, One dollar. I'm like, But are you 
I mean, I don't, these are really, they're almost brand new. I don't even, I'm not even sure they had ever been read at that point. Like somebody bought them and collected them and hadn't even cracked them yet. And she only would let me pay her $1 per book. So <laughs> that is a level of spite or luck of the Irish that I've never seen before. I'll, I'll, luck on my part. Yes. And, and, but spite, yes, as well. Um, but the, uh, the new books coming out right now too, if anybody ever wants them, just ask us for them. Um, we're happy to order in stuff that we just don't have room on the shelves. You've seen us and I've ordered some stuff. So we've gotten all of the comics of the Critical Role stuff so mm -hmm. far that they've released, like um, Vox Machina Origins and the Mighty Nine Origins and stuff. Um, and then we picked up, we were getting the Umbrella Academy books and then we got the uh, T-Dragon Society yeah. uh, graphic novels and stuff that come out as well. So. We just kind of pick up random things that we think people will like and enjoy. Um, we had the D&D uh, Rick and Morty versus Dungeons and Dragons books that Jeff uh, Nubb and Patrick Rothfuss, right, the third book, Patrick, um, put out a couple years ago. And uh, right now on the shelf, there's a new one. Uh, the characters that they're they're doing in this current series, um, it's like M Minsk and Boo, have okay. been re revitalized somehow. And... Everything is kind of based around Baldur's Gate, and a new trade seems like it comes out, um, you know, every six months or so. And there, there was like I just read the one where they go to uh, descent into Avernus. There's a there's a book that's totally based on the Storm King, Storm King's Thunder, um, and the current one I just got, and the one we've got upstairs in the shelf is uh, uh, Mind, Mind Flayers. Yeah, yeah, Mind Flayers. Yeah. So I haven't. I haven't it just I just cracked that one last night. I'm only about the first comic in, so yeah, it's it's been a weird evolution though for for comics with D and D, and and some of them were I, I used to really go out of my way to try to find the Dragonlance comics because I was super into Dragonlance when I was a kid. I have I have all the Dragonlance novels, and there's that's that's a lot. <laughs> I wouldn't know. I don't. I am not part of the <laughs> comic world or. It's, um, yeah, yeah I, I like comics. It's just uh, the space requirements. I'm now to the point where I would almost rather have the trades and not have to worry about the comics getting destroyed because I did something dumb. Um, and it, it really, a lot of it is coming down to space for me. Yeah. You know, a trade, I just, I'm just going to stick that on the shelf. I don't feel compelled. With, a, with an individual issue, I feel compelled to bag and board it. And then that... You, then all of a sudden you're like, what are all these long row boxes that I have full of comics and <sighs> X-Men's a weakness. Yeah. So, yeah, anyway, I don't know. I kind of went all over the place <laughs> in okay. story about D&D comics, but I do, I do have a lot of them. I wish I had them all or all of them in trade paperback to have complete stories out of them all. Um, and some of them were great. Some of them were not so great. You know, it's just right. like any of those kind of, um, any episode of comics. I don't know. It's, I, there's so many random thoughts and processes uh, and knowledge about the, the worlds of D&D in my head. Like, which ones of those are canon, which ones are not canon, you know. I still maintain it's canon that Drow have infrared vision as written in the first Driss book. They see like predators. Do they? Yes. It, it is, like, in the first like four pages they explain this and nobody ever seems to recognize it so i just make that everybody else's problem in life now did you see they're making a new predator movie yes it's called prey i'm very excited about that it's kind of set in like 
uh, older, like Native American kind of wandering around North America time. So I wonder how they handle that. Is this like okay? So advanced sci-fi military cannot deal with predator, and now we're 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 back in the olden days. Well, we're gonna, we're gonna find out. I wonder if they're gonna like resurrect some like Native American like gods or anything to like deal with it because that'd be really yeah. awesome or like spirits. Well, and speaking of movies. They dropped the trailer for the new D&D movie. Uh, um, I fanboyed, I squeed. I, I did too, and it's just like, I, I'm not ashamed. I have bought the D&D movie from like 1999, 2000, like three times. I have it on Blu-ray, I have it on DVD, <laughs> and I have it on a stream service. It's not good. Like, I wouldn't really recommend watching it, but I love it because I got to see Dragons when I was like nine. I would, lo- I would recommend watching it, right? Don't expect it's... that you're going to go see Shawshank Redemption when you fire it up. I mean, that's not what you're getting You get into. to see Beholder, though, which is awesome. I mean, it kind of holds up a little bit for yeah. the day and age. I mean, it's over-the-top ridiculous, right? I mean, think of, um, I would say anybody who hasn't seen it, think of, like, Army of the Dead. Uh, or That's a good Army of Darkness, Army of Darkness, or, um, yeah, Army of the Dead's completely different. That's the new one with mm-hmm. David Batista, um, which yeah. is not bad either, set in Vegas. But Army of Darkness or Evil Dead. Evil Dead's probably a better thing of how okay. kind of campy, low-budget it felt at times. But... Jeremy Irons is so ridiculously over the top as the bad guy in it. Yeah, it wasn't as many. I can't remember the guy's name. Wasn't that the one who played Imhotep in The Mummy? Uh, no. No. No, Jeremy Irons has been like an... Oh, no, his like little minion dude. Oh. Uh, With the blue lipstick and the like shaved head. I think it was a different guy. Okay. I think it was a different Just guy. Just had a similar aesthetic. Okay. Yeah. Um, but it was... It's, it's still campy and fun and i was like i gotta bust that out and watch that again too there's been there's been a few D movies over the years i think that was the highest budget D movie ever at the time yeah and it was still like ugh. but this one i mean now here we go with um uh honor among thieves and i, I think it's the title of the new one and it's Hugh Grant. Looks like he might be the big bad guy right with Chris Pine and Michelle oh, Rodriguez no. and Michelle Rodriguez totally. She's a barbarian. She's oh, yeah. got to be a barbarian, right? <laughs> she's the one that always plays the kind of rude girl, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. She like she was in the Fast and Furious movies. Yeah, okay. That was kind of where I remember her first breaking into it. She's also been in some really bad sci-fi movies and stuff over the years. I do want to see her rage though. Yeah, it looks pretty cool. And then um, uh, Chris Pine is a bard. It looks like yeah. he, it looks like he's a bard. And um, yeah, the, there's some really cool scenes with the, the druid tiefling lady who turns into an owlbear, which, you know, all the nerds went, you can't do that, it's against the rules! And then I went, that was really cool CGI. <laughs> yeah, it was. <laughs> that was pretty badass. So, it's like, we're just going to amend this with the Game Master powers. <laughs> you can now be an owlbear. Why? Because it's awesome. Yeah, or, or they, uh, the, the trailer shows them diving into a gelatinous cube to get away from the... Uh, uh, this displacer beast that's chasing them down, like they're in an arena combat. Like, okay, so you're gonna dive into the acid-eating uh, gelatinous cube in order to get away. I mean, if I guess if die quickly or die slowly. I don't know. It just it looks like something that my players would totally do in my campaign, like yeah. some sort of ridiculous. Like, you want to do what? I had a player that wanted to eat a gelatinous cube. You want to eat a gelatinous cube like yeah. Jello? Yeah, they Go. got they got acid immunity um, because I was dumb. 
And yeah. No. Did, with the, did with they just eat like it? A, a, how do you eat it, right? Because you try to cover with it off a spoon. With a, I guess if you use silver, I mean, it doesn't. You always see weapons that didn't get digested inside of a gelatinous cube. You see, they raged with their silvered spoons. I, I just gave him diarrhea. <laughs> <laughs> Good well, All right. Well, we should just segue off of that one at that story. We'll just leave that <laughs> okay, one below. Okay. Where do you want to go next? So, I think this will be the last podcast that I'll mention the Spiel des Jahres, but they did announce all the winners, so I wanted to talk about them. Um, plain old Spiel des Jahres winner was Cascadia. Yes. And then Which the, promptly instantly sold out on our shelves, like, the yes. m- later the same day. I mean, it's been hard to keep in stock since it came out. It's, it's constantly. You come to, like, a Yas queen in the entire time I've worked here. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I love Cascadia. Um, and it's the, such a good game. The Kennerspiel was Living Forest, which I haven't played yet, but it's on my list of games I want to play. Uh, that's because that's another one that we haven't been able to keep in either. Yeah. It's come a couple times and then uh, like, oh, like, oh, this looks interesting. And then it's gone again. It's, I've heard it's really good. Brittany and Cody played it, but I have not gone down that path yet. And then the Kinderspiel is Magic Mountain, which we do have a copy of upstairs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Box. So yeah. Spiel de Aris, game of the year. The Kenner Spiel is the gamer's game of the year, which is usually something a little crunchier and stuff. And yeah. So that's where Living Forest is. And then the Kinder Spiel is the kid's game of the year. And so Magic Mountain from Haba is the one. I think we talked about this, the one that I, I played a demo of it, like the same time that I learned how to play Llama. Like oh, okay. In, at Gamma 2020. And they're... Um, 2019 even, and there was there was there might have been adult beverages that had been consumed along the way, and I didn't realize it got it got backburnered, and they never actually put the okay. game out. They had their prototype one, and but then whatever with all the weird production and COVID and everything else, um, even though I had played this game multiple years ago, it never actually got released out into the wild until now. Yeah, and then it won kids game of the year so yeah. i guess the timing worked out pretty well for them it looks interesting enough i will say that it is packaged funky upstairs the front of the box and the back of the box aren't facing the same way and that just drives me nuts but it's it's shrink wrapped so i can't fix it yeah i hate when that happens <laughs> yeah it's it's a really interesting game too it's a really cool kids game um i think it's aimed at five-year-olds and up and you're trying to get the good witches down to the bottom of the mountain before the evil witches get to the bottom of the mountain and so you it's a path-based game of of trying to push um push the witches down the mountain and you have to be careful that when you move a good witch that she doesn't roll down and hit a bad witch and set up a chain reaction where sets all the bad witches going down the mountain too so yeah yeah kind of a just a fun little dexterity and a little bit of basic logic and planning there as well so um that's that's the kind of the magic mountain game it's it's really cool you got it it's hard to describe. You should come to, come to the store and check it out. It's on the yeah. demo table. I just love that they have this whole, like, fairy godmother from Cinderella versus the Witch of the West, like, character pieces here. It's just like, ooh, that, that is a match. Yeah, that's a good way to describe it. They do kind of look like the Cinderella, mm-hmm. uh, the, the blue fairy godmother, right? Mm-hmm. Like, with the brimmed hat and kind of their kind of... Uh, plump and round as they roll down the way. and Yep, the Bad Witches, though, that is right up here with copyright infringement, though. But I like it. I guess you can't copyright 
black witch carbs and that particular color of green face paint. Well, but that was, I mean, at this point, even if you did try to copyright it, Wizard it's, of Oz was like, you yeah, know, it's expired. so old I'm that pretty sure I'm pretty expired. sure that, yeah. Unless they try to say it's from Wicked or something, which, um, you know, Alphaba. But I think that since Alphabus and Wicked were based on Wizard of Oz, mm -hmm, yeah. I, I think I think they're fine. I think they're fine. Cascadia, though, if you haven't played it, there's a lot going on in Cascadia. Um, it's simple yeah. to learn and harder to master as you go yes. along. When are they going to get like an expansion for that? Because that's right? like actually probably one of my favorite board games. It was the first like slightly more difficult board game I'd ever played. It's just like, oh no, this is fun. Yeah. I'm just going to build a giant desert. It's just like, but why? Actually, I think it's like a wheat field. But I did not win, but I had a great time. That's all that matters. I never, my win ratio for games, both in person and online, is about 25%. Yeah. Really? I, yeah, I'm not good at yeah. them. I love them, but I, I suck. I only play attrition <laughs> games, so I'm not trying to win. I win by everyone else losing. Yeah. No. Yeah, you're you're that person. You're the chaos troll at the table. That's I, I what am you're the saying. worst. Oh, I love when Anna yeah. just feeds into it. It's just like, yes, Anna, come to the dark side. Lose with me. <laughs> we'll swan dance to death, Anna. The um, I will say though that for anybody that can't get their hands on Cascadia right now, um, flat out games. Their first game was Calico, and Calico we still have, and I really enjoy Calico as a puzzle kind of game it's really good that was it went in the first like five games i learned when i started working here and it was more difficult than i thought it would be like mentally it's it's puzzly yeah, yeah calico just for everybody if you haven't played it no calico is a game about making quilts by matching colors or patterns together but the goal is to make the quilt so comfortable that all of the kitties want to come sit on your lap and that's how you score the points I haven't been able to play that one because I don't think I can emotionally deal with disappointing a cat. Ironically, <laughs> I love magical kitties, which is like, right. here's this kitten, let's go fight Baba Yaga. It's just like, oh no. Yeah. So, speaking of cats, 2022 Gen Con Anticipated Games, Boop is on there. I know you played Boop and we've talked about Boop on here before. Yes, Boop is, I think Boop is probably going to be up for Game of the Year for next year. Yeah? Yeah, it's it's that good and we ordered quite a bit of uh, quite a bit of boot from Smirk and Dagger. So, so we'll have a demo copy, right? Totally. Awesome. Totally. have. A, yeah, we're totally going to have a demo copy. The other one from them that's on there is um, uh, Spill, which I think I okay. talked about in a podcast yeah. as well. And Spill is going to satisfy some of kind of uh, board game ASMR stuff going on. Because when you drop the oil slick dice through the, the kind of the oil rig on the top of it, it just has like this really nice dice roll feel. Nice. Like a dice tower kind of thing okay. going on. And uh, and that is essential to the game. So you have to do that every turn. And, and every time we rolled the dice through that thing, um, people really got excited. And like, wait, what was that? What's going on? It's like, it just, all the game goblins, all dice goblins, all like you, you have to show me what's happening <laughs> over here. What are we doing? Yes, the sound of the click clacks will bring all the tabletop players to the yard. Yes, exactly. The uh, last sentence of Boop real quick, because I, I noticed it, was, I have a feline, this could be fun. Is that what they wrote? Yes. Oh, yes. I missed that. It's pretty good. It looks like Shobu with cats, and it's just like, Shobu's great. 
Uh, yeah, but everybody, you're playing on the bed at the same time, so you're oh. trying to you're trying to bounce other people, the other person's caps off the bed at the same time as lining your caps up because ultimately you have to get three kittens in a row mm -hmm. and then the kittens allow you to upgrade to cats and then if you can get three cats in a row that's how you win at the same time though the other person's trying to bounce your cats off the bed and you're trying to bounce theirs off the bed too I'm so thinking. i live at home with three cats and two dogs and it's world war three every time it comes to the bed oh um, my god your like, poor husband <laughs> oh no he's given up already uh the animals have taken over the bed <laughs> <laughs> well, when we had Gordon, right, he wanted to get up and sleep on the bed, too, and he was 140 pounds. Oh. So, um, and I, for Kelly, I always got one of them in the bed in the wintertime because he would be nice and warm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, yeah, but you get the fur side, and I always get the the, the nails in the back side. Right? <laughs> he, he's enormous. So, so one of the games I noticed that was on here was uh, Red Cathedral Contractors. Yeah. And I haven't played Red Cathedral yet, but you and Jesse have both been talking about it. I have played it. It's it's good. I Honestly, I don't remember what the Contractors expansion does. But the game itself, you are building a cathedral. And there's, there's a rondel, which is a very fun mechanic. And you are just getting the resources, and then you can deliver them to different tiles that you've already claimed as ones that you're going to build. And then you can place different embellishments on the, that part of the cathedral to make have more points. It's just a neat little game, and it's it's such a small box, but there's so much in it. Uh, ten out of ten would recommend the Red Cathedral. All right, rock on. Yeah. I'm gonna. It's on the list of things to to play. I also noticed that my father's work is on here, and. Uh, I Man, I want to play that game, but uh, I heard Jesse say. Ben does. Jesse does. Um, we're back. We had some te technical difficulties, but now we are going to continue talking about my father's work. Yeah, I was just saying, um, my father's work is is something that uh, a bunch of us are really looking forward to. It's a you play over multiple generations of a mad scientist family, like a uh, Frankenstein. Um, and uh, you have to go back and forth between trying to complete your ancestral family goal as at the same time you can't do so many vile things that the, the villagers come yeah. at you with pitchforks and torches, but it really relies on an app, and the app is finally published for, um, you know, you can use it on Amazon devices or Apple devices, but it's still not on Android devices, and it's killing us because all of us that have it, all use Android phones. Yeah. Oh no! Yeah, I don't think I have any Apple devices. Oh wait, I could probably use Kelly's iPad. Ooh, I, I, still, I still have my old iPhone, and I was like, "Hey, we can we can use it." No. Yeah, it's. Um, I think we still have a few copies. That was a Kickstarter from Renegade, so we still have some of that left. If somebody yeah. wants to to check it out, um, Ariel, what did you see on there that you were looking excited for? Maple Valley. It's yes. Maple Valley. Oh my God, we have to. Jamie, can we get it? Oh, we already ordered Maple Valley. Oh, good. <laughs> That's the uh, sequel for Creature Comforts. Yes. Well, a spiritual sequel. It's like a standalone set in the same kind of universe. It looks even cuter, and Creature Comforts is basically perfect, in my humble it's... opinion. Yes. Uh, that's a, a kids' table board games that made both of those, and I'm pretty sure that's like their kids' line of stuff from the same people. That's, I think it's also Forbidden Games. I believe that you are right. I think that that's the same company that on the backside they have a kids imprint and an adults imprint. Is it? I'm not. Is it? 
Is it Forbidden Games or is it Burnt Island Games? That might be the one. I don't think it's Forbidden because Forbidden okay. is like a Lizard Wizard and stuff, right? Uh, yes. Okay, so it's Burnt Island Games. Okay, so that's uh, like uh, uh, God, In the Halls of the Mountain King, um, which was really super crunchy. It was awesome. Chris, James, and I got into a game of that. It took like three hours. So, uh, anything else other than Maple Valley? Oh, the Terracotta Warriors game. I love history games, but, but I'd rather observe people playing them so I can just be that annoying person. It's like, oh, and by the way, did you know about this historical fact that I see there's not information on the card with? So I just ruin it for everybody. This is why I'm not invited to game night. So I am, I've got two on here that I'm interested in. Two other ones. So Evergreen. It, it mentions people being fans of photosynthesis, so they might like it. I clearly am not a fan of photosynthesis, <laughs> but I do want to give this one a try because maybe it's better and it looks pretty. And I like, I, I'm a sucker for the outdoorsy, cute, soft themed games like Creature Comforts or Tea Dragon Society. And so those ones always catch my eye, but uh, photosynthesis wasn't doing it for me. Hopefully this one will. All right, I'll throw out one that I really enjoyed because, like I think I said before, my friends when they come over, a lot of times they want to play the shorter kind of games. They don't. A lot of them they would rather play multiple games, multiple rounds of the same game to try different strategies than like one game that takes all night, right? Um, so one of mine that I'm interested in is Ecosystem has a new expansion coming yeah. out. I don't know if it, I, I can't tell if it's yet if it's an expansion or if it's a standalone game, but it's called Coral Reef. Ooh. So I don't know if it's you, you, you combine it with the original game yet or if it's just a complete standalone one. But Ecosystem is such a simple uh, game. It's a drafting card game where, um, so drafting, you're passing the cards around the table as you yeah. go along. And you have to put animals next to each other that would work in a, in a um, in an ecosystem, right? So you put the the salmon next to mayflies because the salmon will eat the mayflies in the water, okay. and then you put the bears next to the salmon because the bears would eat the salmon. And um, you know maybe you've got bees next to coneflowers, or and and maybe rabbits are in there, and then um, kind of in the same meadow with the bees, and then the foxes might be eating the rabbits and things like that. So you score points by drafting these cards and laying them out on a little tableau in front of you and then you um you run the uh uh you do two rounds of that and you score points based on you know bears have to be like this and and wolves are in a pack and so that wolves all have to be in a line and, and things of that nature um so coral reef is another one from matt simpson um and it's published by genius games as well and genius games is everything that they put out is hard science right they're they're everything they do they then in inside of the box is always the here's how to play the game and here's the science behind why we made this game okay yeah so they, they did like subatomic where you're literally um you know combining elements together to increase their mass and then um along the way the helper cards in subatomic are all famous scientists that did things um on a subatomic level and help us kind of create a lot of the uh uh, what we know about uh, atoms and, and elements and protons and neutrons and stuff, and they did um, they did the one was a, I'm not dropping the name of it. There was one that was all about who can optimize their cell to be the most efficient cell, and you had to like um, upgrade the mitochondria and use RNA and DNA and all the organelles and everything. So oh, I was laughing because earlier I sent a picture of the podcast setup and was like, 
I feel I feel a little powerful being the one in charge today. And she, she was all, oh, you're the powerhouse? And I said, just call me the mitochondria. So it's funny that it circled <laughs> back around to that. <laughs> yeah, so uh, ecosystem coral reef looks fun. Um, the other one that I, I am I'm looking forward to because I have a weakness for deck building games is there is an expansion coming out, or actually it's a new standalone game for Clank. It's called Clank yes. Catacombs. So you can take a tile laying game and you take a deck building game and you put like two of my favorite mechanics in the same box. I love me some Clank games. I, I've played normal Clank once and we started playing Legacy but haven't picked it back up in a little bit. But it is... It is a good game. I do agree. It was the first time where they took a, you know, because I love Dominion yeah. and, and all the deck builders like that. It was the first time somebody said, let's take the deck builder and use that as the engine to drive playing the board game. Yeah. So no dice, just cards. I was really excited about Amygdala. And yes. just like, but then I went on to their game found and they didn't get funding. Hmm. I wonder if they're going to make anything we'll be able to make I don't anymore. know. They only got 72% of their funding, but it's just like, it's like a cool like set collection strategy resource management game um, about the amygdala. And yeah. The memory and emotions are, and it's stunningly beautiful. Like, it's beautiful. Yeah. So pretty. It's, it's like some pretty. Mandela effect. It's just like, maybe they got it somewhere else. Come on, Gen Con. <laughs> it's, yeah. Well, and that's what we, there was an article I was reading yesterday that was talk. somebody was saying that they missed Kickstarter. And they missed the old Kickstarter, where you backed a game on the hopes and prayers of somebody who was trying to figure out how to get this game made, and you know you were you felt like you were actually an important part of will will this game be successful or not? Will it actually make it into print? And now Kickstarter is really just a pre-order engine, and they they missed the old days and that feeling yeah. of accomplishment. And we pulled it together and yeah. got it all done, and now it's just like a eh. Who are you going to pre-order from, Kickstarter or, or somewhere else, you know? It was just a really interesting take. I think, we, you know, everybody knows we have a love-hate relationship with Kickstarter here. Because um, just because somebody's a good board game designer does not make the, them a good business person in trying to fulfill the orders on the backside. Did you see the... Oh, I'm going to take this off. An article um, came out yesterday. Okay. Um, the, the the guy's mythic um, is, is making a tabletop version of darkest dungeons which is based on the video game right okay yesterday they put out an announcement that said that um uh shipping costs have gone up 300 percent and either uh basically they put out a thing to all the people that had backed it and said if you don't pay more money for shipping then we're not going to ship you your games what? no option for refunds no option for anything else their options were if you pay this additional amount of money for shipping, and it was not an insubstantial amount of money, it was it was quite a bit of money, um, anywhere from thirty to seventy dollars, depending on where it was being shipped to. Um, My blood pressure just went up. <laughs> yeah, your options were either you could pay more for and get the game now, or uh, it said something like they would store it in a warehouse for you in China for as long as they could, hoping that shipping costs would come Jeez. back down. Right, but they didn't no mention of how long that was going to be or what it was going to take. Nothing like that. Just uh, those were kind of the two options that they put out there. And Can I get like the name of this thing? Because I back way too much on Kickstarter, like little indie projects. So yeah. I need to like know not to do this because it's like it was, the amount of Karen emails I would send <laughs> daily would be amazing. It was it's Darkest Dungeons and it's already in fulfillment. It's or it's it's I think they already went through the pledge manager and they're supposed to be for fulfillment and now. 
and they're not wrong, right? We all know. We've talked about so many times the president. Oh yeah, has gone nuts. Um, Lord knows we see that every week. I mean, you do all the ordering now, so yeah. you see it. Yeah. Sorry, it's Red Hook Studios. It was created by Tyler Sigmund. Uh, just for some shame. <laughs> I'm not sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um. Back to the Gen Con because I just saw this one, and then then we can be done with it. Yeah. Um. Fit to print. It is by the same creators, Flat Out Games, who did Point Salad, Cascadia, Calico, and uh, same designer that did Tiny Towns. It is a little tile placement game with, I'm going to probably butcher this word, anthropomorphic animals? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Thank you. Um, I just, I, you know, honestly, I don't need to know much about a game to want to play it or buy it. Like, it looks cute. <laughs> I like the other games they make. Tiles. That's all I need. I'm sold. Yeah. I think it's, um, it's going to be interesting. Well, I mean, now flat out, right, is on a roll. I mean, yeah, because, um, point salad, I can't even tell you how many copies of that we sold. It's, it's one of my favorite kind of gateway games of games that you, you have at your house for when your friends who aren't super gamey game players come over, right? And you want a good game that's better than Uno or anything like that to, to teach them how to play, but it's super easy to learn. And then, the, then they went to Calico, which we, we love Calico. Then they did Cascadia. Um, when your game is nominated for the Spiel Diaras, on average you sell 10,000 more copies of your game. So now, now we live in a world where selling 10,000 copies of a game, a full print run of a game, is considered successful. So you're going to double that. Right. But then statistically, if you win the game of the year, you're going to sell an average of an extra 100,000 copies. Right? And that has launched... I mean, that's been the big breakout and launched so many of these different companies over the years, right? Like, like Stonemaier winning Game of the Year yeah. for Wingspan or, or uh, you know, Isaac uh, Childers winning for Gloomhaven. And, you know, it's just literally the, the selling all those extra copies has launched the company to give them the ability and longevity because so many Kickstarter companies, like, we get one game from them and then we never hear from them again, ever, right? Yeah, people still come into this day looking for Gloomhaven. It's just, like, the, the big base bosses. is like, that's a difficult one. And some people come in, they ask if we have Wingspan, they go back to Wingspan, and they come up and they check out because they completed yeah. their mission. Yeah. And then they order the expansions because we can totally do that Heck for 10% yeah. off. And there's a new one coming out. There is. People are excited about it. We really need it. The, the Asia expansion? Yeah. yeah. Is, is there any way we can just kind of get a floor stock of, like, handful of those expansions because we do get asked about um that. they've been out okay so oh, europe snap. the first expansion was europe and the second one was oceana mm -hmm. and both of them are just been out um one of the things i do like about stonemeyer that they do a better job of than than pretty much any other publisher that's out there is they send out a retailer newsletter mm -hmm. and the retailer newsletter will tell us like okay, well, this one's out of print, but we have some on a boat sending and we think it's going to be here in September or October. So they're better about giving us updates of where things are in the production cycle and restocks are in the production cycle than pretty much any other publisher that's out there. Oh, I found yes. a perfect game. Sorry, I was uh, on Meeple Mountain just looking yeah, yeah. at the Gen Con ones. There's one called Rule Benders. It's just like, hello. <laughs> that is me. Yes. <laughs> well, yeah, it's a little Euro game where you like change the rules as you play. So I wonder if it's going to be more like kind of 
maybe like flux ish or if it's going to be like a little bit more structured to where you can actually like plan a little bit better instead of having to know like every single card on your deck um but yeah i'm really excited about that because as jamie pointed out very aptly i am the chaos gremlin so speaking (laughs) of flux um we have the newest expansion packs in the new hotness um, I don't remember what they are now because that's how my brain works. Uh, it's they, like more actions, more yeah. rules, and I forget the third one is. Yeah, they put out three little micro expansion packs. They've done some of them before in the past that are like specific to a theme. Right. Like this is a micro pack for the Black Knight expansion for Monty Python Flux or the uh, Porthos expansion for Star Trek. So you get um, the dog from Star Trek Enterprise, right? It was, it was Porthos. Oh, yes. Um, or the bridge deck. They've done some of these micro expansions for Flux before, and this is the first time they made, that I can think of, that they made like these little micro expansions you could put with any version yeah. of Flux. Yeah. Do we know if they're randomized or if they're like the same pack? I think they're the same. Yeah. Oh, thank goodness, because that could cause <laughs> a little bit of chaos. Yes. I don't know That's that. I don't know that Looney Labs wants to wander into the collectible world like that. That'd be, yeah. But they're little micro packs, like extra extra rules extra uh win conditions and extra action cards okay so those are kind of cool yeah i thought they sounded neat and then we've got the uh viticulture expansion which makes it cooperative oh, yeah nice. viticulture world yes yeah it's um it viticulture is of course a game about making wine and it's a worker placement game and you're trying to optimize and be the person who sells the most wine and viticulture world is now you've got to work together to advertise your wine region out to the rest of the world and you're trying to compete for points and, and, and to make your wine the best regional varietals, which advances everybody at the same time. So it looks pretty cool. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Prosperity, speaking, going back to was, Dominion. Yeah. So uh, Prosperity 2nd Edition has come out. Um, I'm, I gotta, there's nine new cards and I gotta, I gotta get it because I, I, I hate the fact that I have to buy this to get nine new cards for my Dominion collection. Um, if you don't have, um, if you don't have, uh, a Dominion Prosperity expansion right now, Dominion Prosperity and Dominion Seaside are two of my must-haves that everybody okay. should have for their Dominion collection. Um, you know, I, I, people ask me all the time, cause there's 13 expansions now, which ones do you, which one should I get? You should lead with, after the base set, you should lead with Seaside, then you should get ex- uh, Prosperity as okay. an expansion. Um, and, uh, our lovely, uh, background assistant, Jesse just, uh, handed me a sticky note to say, Hey, don't forget that there is a upgrade pack. So you don't have to buy the full that's, box. That's what I was just looking for at. Dominion prosperity. You can get the upgrade pack and just get the nine new cards. If you already have prosperity, you can just get the new cards without buying the whole box. I was making sure my information was right before I brought it up, but they are fourteen ninety nine. Okay, so then is there a Seaside? Mm-hmm. Seaside that? and Hinterlands. Up, upgrade packs? Mm-hmm. Wait, Hinterlands has one already? Yeah. Oh, I didn't even know there was a second edition of Hinterlands. Yeah. I missed that one totally. I knew about Prosperity and Seaside. Okay, well, I got I to gotta get the, some purchase in here. Um, the other big thing that's in the new hotness that I think a lot of people are going to be stoked about is Star Wars Villainous. Right, so the villainous games are from Ravensburger, and we have a love-hate relationship with Ravensburger um, because they t- 
tend to let uh, big box stores get some of the games first and we get shut out for like three to six months on those games. Um, but villainous games have always done really well at the store and you're playing as the bad guys. Um, you know, the original ones were all just the original uh, Disney characters um, and now they did a Marvel villainous uh, that came out last year and now we've got Star Wars villainous. Yeah. Every character in the box plays slightly different, so it is an asynchronous game where everybody's playing slightly different and different. And uh, you know, we're gonna have to see how this one goes. We just got it on, I think it just got here Friday because I didn't actually uh, know it was it, here. It went up this morning. Did it go up this morning? I'm pretty sure. Okay, I was like, oh. I didn't even know it was here, so I thought it maybe it happened on Friday and I missed it. I think Ben put it there this morning. I could be wrong, but okay. it's 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 fresh. Cool. Um, lots is also on there. I don't know if you talked about lots already, but if you, if you wanted to, uh, yeah, I took lots to beers and brats, yeah. uh, not beers and brats. Keg that's, Grove? that's Keg Grove. Yeah. Beers and board games. Um, brats and bags is coming up for sunrise rotary and tickets are available. Uh, there'd be beer bags and brats, but, uh, beers and board games is at Keg Grove. And I took lots there. Lots is competitive Tetris. Everybody is working building a building and you have different footprints you can use so that depending on the footprint of the building you use can make it harder or easier. Um, and you're using Tetris-like shapes to build up. So it's a stacking game um, with Tetris-like shapes and you score points by either putting pieces in that touch other pieces of the same color or if you complete a full floor. If the floor, every square of the floor has been completed by you, um, that's the other way you can score points too. And you, you roll a die and the die says, here's the color piece you get this round. Okay. And then you have one piece in your hand, you pick up a second piece, you must play one of those two pieces now. Uh, we had a ton of fun. Um, there was, I've got a table of um, um, more, uh, we'll just say more historically experienced um, ladies that likes to come and they want the lighter, more casual games. Yeah. And I got them to play lots and they had a really good time with it. And including talking trash with each other when they knocked the steps down and stuff. So it was kind of fun to watch. That's, that's good. Oh, all right. This upcoming week, what's going on in the store? What do we have happening? I don't, I don't even know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm meeting with the architects today at 2, right? Just okay. to kind of give people who are listening a little flavor of what's going on with the building for just 10 seconds. Uh, meeting with the architects at 2. We're trying to finish out some floor, uh, floor plan type layout stuff. I've had to send them pictures of inspirations of things to give them some guidance on how we want to build it out. And I have looked at the pictures and floor plans and layouts of so many game stores. Um, and uh, a lot of them are award winning and just not something that I want to build. Right. Yeah. So, uh, so we're going through that to this afternoon. Um, <laughs> other than that, I'm not, I mean, pre-orders are open for Dominaria United. Uh, we're trying to confirm out the last couple of numbers that we need to open up pre-orders for the next Pokemon set, which will be Lost Origins. Yes. Um, uh, we see we don't have a D&D book on the way because it just dropped. It's in the new hotness, which is uh, Radiant Citadel. Um, I don't even know I what don't, else is... There's, I can't think of anything big and new that's not just our normal, normal events. Ruben. 
in the new it's in the new hotness oh, okay oh that's Speaking that rpg being, yeah it's so cute it's yeah. like a forty. It's like a little forty-page RPG. It's a rules like system with like two d six instead of sword and sorcery. It's bait and tackle, and the best part, everyone has a magical cat companion. <laughs> everyone. That's awesome. It is amazing. It's really really simple. I'm actually probably going to steal it because I can't. It's really hard to bully people into new RPGs, so you just have to sneak other RPGs into RPGs they're already playing and hope they don't notice. It's just like, no, we're going on a fishing trip, guys. We're going down the river bend. Here's your magical cat that you're going to have for the rest of your D&D campaign because you're not going to give up a single animal yeah. that ever crosses your path. And we're going to go fishing and secretly play Riverbend. <laughs> yeah. So you I can like catch that. river aberrations and you can just have your chill time before you like slaughter a village because you're all murder hobos. Nice. Yeah, this week is is um, it's not a huge week for board game releases or anything we're expecting because right now everything's the gear up to Gen Con yeah and everybody's planning on dropping a bunch of new stuff and releasing new products and stuff and announcing everything at Gen Con and then after Gen Con will be just a metric ton of like oh my gosh here come all the games that just got announced at Gen Con so. Um, just a heads up for anybody listening to this, that the second Saturday sidewalk sale of August will be us trying to thin down board games to make space for all the new Gen Con releases. So just be aware of that. Um, somebody asked me the other day about pop-up Gen Con, and they decided that they weren't doing it this year. So it's something that we've participated with the Gen Con folks the last couple of years, and they're just not doing it this year at all. Um, there's like a ton of little stuff going on. All of a sudden, out of the woodwork, we're doing uh, we're doing an event night as rewards for the teens at the Bloomington Public Library. We're going to the normal public library and doing some demos there. Um, uh, what else is happening? Kelly's birthday is coming up, so she's oh. super not looking forward when's, to that. When's Kelly's birthday? On the 31st. Okay. So we'll we'll have to give Kelly a hard time for her birthday. Um, it's one of those milestone birthdays where you have to go down to the next row and start checking the next box when you fill in your age thing. She's not happy about that. Um, and then, yeah, it's a lot of everything is prepped for Gen Con. You know, I'm, I'm not going to Gen Con for the whole show. Ken and I are driving over just on Sunday to do like a Sunday whirlwind tour and look at as many new games as we can Yeah. this year. Um, yeah, just, so, it's just a lot of. I think there's there's one more concert coming up for the this concerts on the square, um, and then there's but I think that'll be the last concert. We've already had four at this point, so it'll be the fifth concert on the square. So it's been a really active summer outside. Yeah, yeah. Are we gonna put Did it you... in too deep in the second Saturday sale? Because people are sleeping on that game, and I have no idea why. Because they all lost their minds with the Cyberpunk Kickstarter board game. It's just like this is what you want. It is already here, people. You can buy it. Um, maybe you can, you can have, we haven't picked out what games are going to go in that sale yet, but you can certainly make an advertisement for it. That is the Kickstarter version of the game that we have. And it's awesome. It's just like, do you like cyberpunk dystopia? Do you want to live in the year 2087 when the governments have fallen? You can decide what side of the lie you're like, like, well, I guess it could be like what side of the law you're on. And it's just like, oh, this is crunchy. It's beautiful. And it's like a push-your-luck semi-cooperative set collection game. And everyone's just been sleeping on it. I was just like, I don't understand. Well, it's it's interesting, right? Because games sometimes, you know, there was one of the games we were talking about that's coming out at Gen Con is an expansion for the game Meadows. And everybody, all these reviews, Meadows was getting all these amazing reviews. Yeah. And 
it just didn't. I think we ended up clearancing it out here. Like it just didn't sell. Yeah. We we were reading all the buzz about it. We were checking it out. We you know we'd learn how to play it and everything. And and nobody locally cared about Meadows, right? And and Into Deep feels like one of those games that people have just been sleeping on. Nobody cares about Into Deep at this point. And I kind of want to buy it. I'm not like a board gamer. I just want to play in a cyberpunk game because I collected every single cyberpunk. I have some like the retro ones from the '90s. Um, that I also can't convince people to play because they see the terrible 80s, 90s cyberpunk cars. It's like, Ariel, why do you have 27 characters in those high-waisted bikini thongs? It's like, it was fashion! <laughs> they also have tubes in their heads and the like weird hair thing going on, but you're just letting that slide. <laughs> I had found my book, my, my box set of Cyberpunk 2020, um, and I gave it to Tony um, as like, I'm, I'm like, here, man, you'll appreciate this. You can just have this. I gave it to Tony right before they announced Cyberpunk 2077 stuff, too. Oh. <laughs> but in 1990, right, although a lot of the stuff they predicted in 1990 has come to pass. It's not embedded in our skulls, but, like, oh, like Apple Watches and, yeah, you know, Apple Watches and Google Glasses and the yeah. newer forms of those and VR headsets and all that stuff has come to pass. You know, we all carry microcomputers in our hands all the time. I mean, in, in 1987 or in 89, when that set dropped, I mean, those were completely unthinkable ideas. Computers yeah. were, I, I used to, uh, I had a desk for a while that was really just two computers with a door sitting on top of them. The computers were big enough that they were my desk, the side yeah. walls of my desk, right? My first couple of computers were that big. So um, it's really interesting, you know, uh, and I feel like a, a grandpa. Back in my day. Back in my day, we had 500 megabytes and we were kings. Uh, <laughs> I didn't have that many. I, <laughs> my first computer had eight. Oh, eight megs of RAM in the, in the computer. And a 20 meg hard drive. And, and yeah, I'm old. <laughs> well. did, you, did you even have DOS at that point? Uh, I think it was DOS 5, and it was a big deal when I bought the upgrade to go to DOS 6.0. DOS 5.2 to 6.0 fixed a ton of stuff. Yeah, I came in the golden era. I could boot in DOS, or I can boot in Windows 3.1, and I had such privilege. I had Windows 2. I never had Windows 1, but I did have Windows 2. Yeah, it's like, it, it, you get in a lot of those old uh, computer jokes, right? You know, you're so old that Fortran was still called 3Tran. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Oh my goodness! Yeah. Okay, we should wrap this up. We're just yeah. Going I was, crazy I was waiting for it, but y'all just kept going, and I don't know how to cut people off. So, with that, our episode comes to a close. I'd like to thank the staff members that joined me today, and if you want your chance to talk about your tabletop with them, come come and find them at Red Raccoon Games, located in downtown Bloomington, where you can come on in and get ten percent off any special orders. And I want to thank Jillian Mesnar for the use of our theme music. And feel free to tell us how we're doing by leaving a comment in the podcast app of your choice or come right to the source by emailing us at info at redraccoongames.com. If you throw the word podcast into the subject line, we'll do our best to give you a shout out on the show. Until next time, keep playing.